Hey, Lion fans, this is Benny from Atlanta, and today on the show, I want to propose to my girlfriend, Sabrina. Sabrina is one of Aaron's biggest fans. Uh, she lives and breathes his work. She shares his expertise with all her massage clients and all her CrossFit students and has a big impact on a lot of people's lives uh, every day in here, here in the uh, South Atlanta community. So, Sabrina, quote-unquote, Carlisle, you're the best woman I've ever met. I love the hell out of you. And um, I hope that you will want to spend the rest of your life with me. And today I want to ask you, will you marry me? That, ladies and gentlemen, was the first proposal on the Line Podcast. Hopefully not the last. If y'all want to propose to your people, you contact us, the Line Podcast, and we will make that happen. I thought that was a very exciting thing. So thanks so much. I hope uh, the answer was the appropriate one, whatever that may be. And uh, onward with this scheduled programming. Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Typically, this is a place we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness to help you all optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today, we have my soul brother, one of my most valued, dare I say, one of my best friends. Best friends is is a it's like kind of like a cute, feels like a high school girl word, um, but he's certainly one of my most valued human beings in the world, uh, Mr. Aubrey Marcus. And this conversation goes into all sorts of fantastic directions, ranging from sexuality, how to do it right, um, relationships, uh, finding purpose, all sorts of good stuff. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Uh, Aubrey is the New York Times best-selling author of Own the Day, Own Your Life. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of Onnit, which is a tremendous company. Uh, if you ever grab any stuff from there, utilize the Align code for 15% off. They've got really amazing things, so I recommend it. And uh, he's a great dude. Thanks so much for checking out the website, alignpodcast.com. And on there, y'all can start the seven-day free trial of the Align method online program Uh, if you have any achy joints or you feel stiff or rigid or kind of sluggish when you wake up in the morning and you want to feel a little bit more at peace with your body uh, forward head posture rolled forward shoulders hunched forward spine any of that stuff essentially like staring into computer screens a lot and sitting in chairs a lot if that's something that is affecting your body the align method online program is for you and starts off the first seven days absolutely free. So you can go to linepodcast.com slash method, and you'll find all sorts of other fun goodies on there. The Align Band, Heavy Duty Resistance Band with Door Anchor, and free online program that goes with that. And uh, that's it. If you all have any questions, comments, ideas, or you enjoyed this conversation, you want to share it, uh, share it on anywhere. But I'm on Instagram at Align Podcast, and Aubrey is at Aubrey Marcus. Share your takeaway tidbit. There's some part of this that you really valued. Uh, share it with your friends. It might be very helpful. Here we go. Back to the program with Aubrey Marcus. You're Aubrey, what's up, man? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was this? What was this? This uh, vision you had recently? Well, yeah, man. So I know this is something that both of us have started to explore which is ketamine-assisted meditation. Whoa. So my first experience with ketamine, um, obviously I've, I've struggled with my own bouts of depression off and on, so it was particularly interesting to me, for me to, because now ketamine is approved, you know, which is really, it used to be off-label, but now it's kind of still in this quasi-off-label but approved scenario for the treatment of depression, and that's why a lot of ketamine clinics have opened up, and so my doctor came out and administered it intramuscularly, 
Mm-hmm. And it was more, it was like clinical type of setting. And the music, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck music to play. So I was just playing some random shit. And it was a terrible experience, like a terrible experience. My, I mean, I say terrible. It was just not pleasant. You know, it wasn't like my consciousness went to the corner of my eye mask and just remained there for an hour. And it was like, it was just really, I was like, when is this going to be over? So I kind of like discarded it as something that was valuable, nor did I feel any kind of psychological benefits. But then re-engaging with it in a form where I'm able to actually meter the dose myself and then through the nasal spray and then layering it with meditation, that's been something that we started to explore first with Joe Dispenza's meditations, super powerful. And now I'm like, really fired up about it Mm. and uh you know we've obviously done that together and i did one uh yesterday playing with different meditations and it's becoming one of my favorite tools to actually like open up into the like potentiality of who we really are and like get downloads and visions and interesting things that happen from like the deepest meditation you can imagine and so i was telling you i have this new i'm working on these ketamine assisted meditation playlist and um i let one i let a test run go yesterday and it had a dispense of meditation on there as a guided meditation and it had a couple other things i think one of the east forest ramdas tracks and i think it was during the east forest ramdas i am loving awareness track um that i had this crazy vision of just taking a seat at this table really long table with all these like hindu style deities with like all of their armor and it felt like they had like even like the tattoos on their hands and like everything was just like covered Mm. and like the the most like ornate armor tattoos and everybody was just like just totally chill at this table and it was just like a really cool experience just feeling completely expanded completely like full of as much love as i can feel and just in this, I like doing it in bed and like you were worried I was going to fall asleep when we, when we did it. But I like being like completely cocooned, like completely comfortable, completely mm. safe in this just like cocooned environment with like the right music. And I'm just into the void, into the the blackness of all potentiality. And, and then sometimes visions come. And that was like one of those just visions that will just stick with me is just being at the long table with all the Hindu well they looked hindu i mean who the fuck knows i didn't ask them it wasn't a dialogue yeah do you ever get meaningful information of any of the roots of that uh like reoccurring bouts of depression stuff yeah i mean i think um depression the signature of depression is a sense of it's a sense of hopelessness it's a feeling like somehow I'll get it in my head that nothing I do matters or that I'm stuck and that I can't do anything. Mm. So it's like a, it's a sense of disempowerment and hopelessness. And, um, it just, it comes from obviously within my own, my own, I think desire for external validation Mm. probably is the driving factor in it. And when the validation isn't coming, I feel like I'm not worthy of, my own love i'm not worthy of the world's love and then the depression really hits when i feel like i can't change it like it'll never it'll never change you know like no matter what i do it's not going to be enough no matter it's so it's like because if you feel like you have a plan then you can start to fight you can be uncomfortable but you can like oh i'm gonna go start doing something and i can you can like work your way out of it but when i'm in those bouts of depression like i just 
don't want to do anything. I feel like nothing I do matters. I feel like even if I cold plunge or work out or, you know, do anything, it's not going to matter. I think the thing that's I'm doing now that's buffered me from that is like actually having a self-love practice Hmm. that I can go back to. Hmm. So that I got from Kamal Ravikant's book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Hmm. And that book is fucking phenomenal because that's something that really I think is the safe harbor from a lot of these negative emotions from depression, anxiety, a lot of these different things is actually loving yourself on an unconditional basis where you're not loving yourself dependent on what girls like you or what you accomplish or what you do out in the world. You just love yourself full stop, period, period, period. That's yeah. Paul Selleck would say. Yeah. It's almost like we're like, what is it called when you're attached twins at Siamese twins? Is that some type of yeah. slur? Am I not allowed to say that? <laughs> <What's> like conjoined, <laughs> I think. Conjoined, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're like, we're like conjoined twins with ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's so like you're with yourself throughout the rest of your life. And we have all of these various opportunities to disassociate and disconnect and drink alcohol and kind of temporarily um, identify ourselves with our things and whatnot and just kind of push ourselves away from actually having that heart to heart with your conjoined twin that is you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wonder if like, uh, I feel like the sooner a person can get real with, with meeting their twin, uh, the easier everything becomes. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the self is definitely a multiplicity. And I think that it's very hard to draw hard boundaries. Like you can say, all right, here's the ego, the identity. Here's the body. Here's the soul. And in there, loosely, you can talk about those or, or your higher knowing or your consciousness, whatever language you want to use. And I think it's useful to kind of group them, but they all are kind of somewhat intermingled. Mm. You know, like when you're hungry, your body sends thoughts to your mind and like so your body and your mind are always working and then your mind sends thoughts back to the body depending on what emotions it triggers then what hormones get released and then what epigenetic switches get turned off or on like your mind's controlling your body your body's controlling your mind and then your soul is observing and interacting with both in an interesting way so it's like this really weird not weird but really beautiful honestly like blended scenario but until you kind of understand the totality of yourself it's super hard to navigate Mm. what do you think about the the value of one's relationship with their parents in relation to the relationship with their themselves is that like a big deal i think it i think it has i think it has become that because i think part of the i don't think we were meant to not meant to, I shouldn't say meant to, but I don't think our species kind of was was oriented towards this kind of dyad relationship, this monogamous dyad where you just had one mom and one dad. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on what should be an archetype. Hmm. And the archetype is dad. The archetype is mom. And I think in a tribal setting, dad was like, all of the people of the dad range, like all of the actual uncles and other people that you could you could just kind of cruise around and learn from a lot of people. And I think for us, even us, even in these monogamous dyads, or, you know, my parents split up when I was two, so I had two sets, so I had two dads. And there was definitely dad stuff with both dads, you know, just because they split when I was two. So dad was like split in two. And then as soon as I had some other people, maybe my uncle Craig, or they had like a little sliver of dad role, or like some other people would have a sliver of dad, you know, and then, 
But I think that's actually good to diversify the archetype, you know, because I was super fortunate on the mom side. Like, mom fucking just knocked it out of the park. She's like one of the most beautiful humans I've ever met in all of my wandering all around the world. And I don't say that from a biased perspective. I think it's an objective truth. Like, she's just fucking rad. So I get super lucky there. Challenges on the dad's side, for sure. But that but either way like it's much more sensible to diversify that archetype into a greater range of people and i think part a lot of a lot of the problem that we have is that we got you know a dad and a mom and we think about it as the person and they're just people it's so much pressure to put on a person yeah be better if we just kind of like spread that out yeah there's a there's a researcher called james prescott that um, you might have heard of and he studied various different tribal cultures and cultures in general and uh, observed the amount of uh, physical contact that kids have growing up and then also their openness with sexual expression. And what he found was that the, the cultures that had, were totally open with sexual expression among youth and were touched a lot, they would end up warring less. There was like less to fight about. They were mm-hmm. like, it's all good. Like we're good. There's not you can yeah. you can have it. <laughs> like that's fine. <laughs> but at some point, there's this there's this. Uh, I mean, I think that sexual repression is such a big thing, Ish. you know, among and then perhaps the, the 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 touch with that is like not being loved. I think touch is one of the real easiest, most meaningful. Um, ways to to convey to someone that you care about them and they're a part of the tribe and they're in like I'm literally bringing you in so the combination of sexual oppression along with not feeling accepted and connected I think it kind of it sets the stage for a person to want to conquer yeah I mean that makes some sense to me have you ever have you ever pondered the idea because I have a little bit but pondered why it is so horrifying for children to think about their parents having sex or parents to think about their (laughs) children having sex or like thinking about and it's very interesting because it's such a natural thing and in a tribal setting you would for sure you know walk in on your parents having sex right like and it wouldn't be a big fucking deal i got it i got a child boner for my parents having sex i think that was like my (laughs) first child boner serious i don't even know what they were doing i just heard like noises i was like oh i'm like oh god what is this well that's what i that's what i think it is i think the horror i think the horror comes from the fact that it it actually is somewhat of an appealing thing to to see and observe but it's your parents so like you're told that that's like the worst thing that you could possibly do so you like pile so much shame on something that should be like oh wow okay you know, but instead you pile and just hammer in a bunch of shame and then it becomes this bigger fucking deal where people freak out when their parents are having say, oh, fucking gross. Yeah. And then parents the same way with their kids. Like, I could never imagine my daughter having sex. Like, what do you mean, man? Yeah. It's a very weird thing. You know, like there's a lot of interesting dynamics with sexuality and family. And we're obviously shit, you know, and just knowing how many people get abused and stuff, too. That's a whole other topic, right, of of. And I, I don't even want to get into that because I don't really understand that that well. But just the pure shame alone of just, yeah, my parents have sex. Or like, yeah, my kids have sex. Like, I don't think that should be such a big fucking deal. Mm. You've become somewhat of a, a sex shame release aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be better. Actually. I don't know about that. How do you, do you feel like, how does one begin, one recognizing that perhaps they do harbor shame 
and then from that, it wouldn't necessarily need to be sex, but um, how does one one assess that with themselves? And then from there, how does how do they navigate kind of coming into more more uh, relationship with that? In your opinion, well, I think that you know you really have to. It's complicated because it can come from a variety of different things. You know, I think there's societal narratives about what's you know that are gender specific, which I think are getting unwound by good scientific data by like Wednesday Martin who wrote the book Untrue by Chris Ryan by different you know people who are actually looking at research in the aggregate showing that women are as interested in sex and desiring to be sexually active and actually have from a statistical standpoint a more difficult time keeping the passion in a monogamous dyad than men do if you actually look at the charts, right? So like there's all, but there's all these stigmas about it. And I think these stigmas come from fear and then the stigmas get internalized by different people for different reasons. And that could be men being bisexual or homosexual. It could be women just being, you know, open to having a variety of sexual experiences and then being slut shamed or whatever that is. Like there's so many different sources that could come from early on where parents like as soon as a kid figures out that it's pleasurable to touch their genitals parents like freak out and like yeah. don't do that you're grounded and the kid's like ah oh, this thing feels good in my body and they're like no that's the bad thing like uh, that's weird and then so that could compound some shame and then there's all the whole the whole performance element of things which then you know i got super caught up in like if i wasn't performing like you know the same thing that i applied to my basketball like I had to get out there and like crush it on the basketball court or else I was like despondent. You know, I felt like I was unworthy of love. I felt like a loser. I felt like a total piece of shit. Well, it was like just like that with every time I would have sex. So I would go into every time I would have sex with mad anxiety and then huge relief when it was over and went well. It wasn't even that, I, I mean, I was upset, like in some ways like obsessed with the, the, the chase of that and the thrill of that experience. But nonetheless, was it, ultimately enjoyable not nearly as much as it could be because i was completely anxious the whole way leading up yeah well you're essentially having sex with yourself yeah i'm just looking like back the girls, at myself the girls how am i doing like, she's you know she's she's there you know she's like the hoop she's like the hoop and i'm <laughs> the this, basket this is know? about me right now yeah <laughs> and and she's the one that's just measuring it. so it's like she's the olympic judge and i'm the one performing and then i'm like watching her to see how i do yeah you know what i mean and it's that's a big thing that I think a lot of people get trapped in and it's not gender specific. I think both sides can get trapped in that. And then like shame about smells, like shame about like, let's put deodorant. I was like, I like, I'm not into deodorants. I'm not into like any, like just smell like a human, like smelling like you're supposed to smell like yeah, yeah shower and stuff, but you don't need to use a bunch of perfumed nonsense. Like humans smell good if they're healthy. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just like layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of it. And I think you got to just kind of peel back all of that stuff and get to the root of what it is, which is just a beautiful thing. As we're thinking about <coughs> having sex with yourself while the other person's in the room, I, uh, I think we do that a lot with relationships in general, you know, so we're so focused on ourselves and there's a bunch of people that are in their own tornado of somebodyness. And it's just a bunch of tornadoes spinning around, knocking shit over inside of a room. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of, I wonder if somehow that could be healed through 
sexuality or if sexuality could be healed through deeper connection in, in general in any relationship. But it feels like there's like how you have sex is probably how you relate to people in the world. I, I, maybe, I don't know. Do you yeah, I, I think sex should be a practice of presence and connection. Like you should be able to surrender your mind and just join. It should be union, like actual union with another person, I think, when it's best. And that doesn't preclude any type of sex. Like you can be joined in some kinky sex. You can be in union in some tantric, like very spiritual, you know, non-genitally focused sexual activities like intimacy acts that can span the whole range but ideally you get out of the way of your own head and mm. you're just connected with somebody i mean you're one of the best body workers i've ever encountered and i'm sure that when you're doing it you're just kind of listening and mm. just connected you're not like thinking about a bunch of stuff like oh i bet if i stretch aubrey's wrist out he's gonna fucking like it and then he'll want me to do that more you know if you're thinking that you're probably f you're it's gonna be shitty yeah you know what i mean you're just kind of like all right what's going on in the body here and i think it's just surrendering the mind and then and then connecting in that way and i think that's something that we need to like start talking about and like reminding people because right now sex ed is just fucking porn up hmm. that's it you know? so what we, what do we talk about what is the reminder and how does what is how do people actually begin that process in your opinion well it's weird because the the people who would actually have the knowledge base to talk about it are like parental level people and like no kid wants to talk to parental level aged people about sex and it's like super awkward like it's like a it's an idea that even talking about it with your parents is like disgusting and awkward and like oh. So it's this whole thing, like, where are you going to get information from your fucking, you know, homie Ronnie? You know, <laughs> like, he's going to be talking to you about, like, the, the potentiality of union and sexuality and the release of your performance anxiety and your shame, connecting to another person and, and like, re no. Like, so I think really podcasts and, like, the ways that people are going to download media from, like, abstract non-parental people. But I think as new generations start to have kids and, like, don't teach them the shame around it and like just approach it in a way. Cause if you approach something with fear, that fear is going to transfer. Somebody else is going to get like, Oh, whoa, mm -hmm. you know? <coughs> and I think the more apprehension that people have about it, the more that it creates that same response. And, and also if there's, you know, any kind of like pathological, like enjoyment of it, then that's going to also create fear as well. So you got to just be, really fucking chill and neutral and just talk about it as like one of the things that happens like breathing yeah like if you have a kid like talk to him about breathing like here's what you can do with your breath deep breaths calm you down if you're breathing shallow try and you know do this this is what you can do if you breathe a lot how does that feel you know like all of these things like breath and then like sex here's another thing this is a natural human thing that's going to happen like here's here's kind of some basic fucking groundwork and then go explore here's some recommended boundaries you know things to keep things to keep in mind here's some lessons from you know ways that we've fucked it up before i wonder if are there any standout lessons that you've learned throughout your various uh sexual episodes in your in your reality i feel like you're like you're like you're like my authority 
<laughs> I'm like, if there's like a thing, I'm like, I think I should call Aubrey. I think he's gonna know what to do. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had to, I had to prove to myself that I was, you know, I had high sexual prowess. Like yeah. that was a, that was a necessity because that's what made a man, and being a man was, you know, what made me worthy of being loved by myself. You know, and that's I learned that. So you got to be a man, and to be a real man, you got to be like you know a sexual behemoth you got to be a beast in bed you know so i was on a quest to prove that to myself for a long long time and you know it took actually getting in the open relationship hmm. where until i actually was able to start to unravel that and see how that was a you know a quest that is the classic hungry ghost like i could never quite prove it but i started to learn some lessons you know like you know i had a lot of you know, threesomes and different things, especially when I was in my late twenties and early thirties. And <clears throat> those are really actually more about, you know, it's rare that everybody is going to be super connected in that. So, and it's, and you got a lot of things to think about, especially when people are like, eh. you know, so it's rare that that actually is a fun experience to actually be in. It's fun for the ego. The ego loves it. Like, Oh, look at me. I'm, I'm able to do this. But I think one of the lessons is that the best sex is not about how many people you're doing it with or like who they are, or what's going on. It's like, can you fully release and surrender into the present moment? Can you let it all go? And I mean, that's fucking real hard to do in a threesome or in a group setting. Cause there's like, there's so many other factors, you know? Yeah. And especially like if there's another, I haven't done this often, but if there's another guy in the room, you know, and then you're having sex with your girl and he's having sex with his girl or whatever. Like then there's like the other, like you want to, you want to like look good in front of your homies too. You know, so it's not just the girls. It's like not competition necessarily, but it's, it's like a whole other dynamic. So it just adds layers of thought into the head. And so those experiences, I tend to now go away from those experiences rather than towards them mm. because I know that it's just going to put me in my head a little bit more. It's going to be more resistance to actually surrendering to the union of the experience. So it's been an interesting journey because it went, you know, I was pursuing that and that was like something I was like really wanted as I was trying to prove myself. But then when I get down to the actuality of it, what I really want is to be completely in the place of no mind. Mm. And that's where the good shit happens. I found <coughs> in my uh, the little bit of exploration doing like going to like sex parties and mm -hmm. and just multiple partners and whatnot. I found sex parties in particular though, and yeah, both. Uh, it's interesting when you change the rules and regulations of a room. As long as everyone's on the same page, everything is normal. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> there's, like, there's like this belief system of like, nope, this is just the way it's the way God intended it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, you haven't been to a party in you know my buddy's place in in Pacific Palisades yeah. <laughs> because God had different intentions apparently. <laughs> it's it's fascinating how we have these these different um, just our how our belief systems kind of contain us. You know, we're like living inside this mold of our sure. belief system. That uh, the opportunity it doesn't need to be a sex party or like some big sexual bacchanal thing, but the opportunity like like Joseph Campbell detribalization. You know, like what you conceived to be is normal. You're you're in that, and yeah. to break out of that feels almost like a sin. 
you know, and then you go into another place where it's safe. We're all playing by these new rules and you're like, oh, this is actually quite normal. You know, that's, is that something that's, has that, have you experienced that at all? Well, for sure. I mean, I think the, uh, the idea of pretty much what you come to understand is that everything is normal if you believe it's normal, yep. as long as it's not like the, the, the only area where there's actually a line is, are you doing something in a predatory way? Are you doing something that's taking advantage of somebody? Are you pressuring somebody to do something they don't want to do? That's where it all gets, that's where there's the hard boundary, right? Like if there's f true full consent, then what the fuck are we worried about? You know, like it's only when you're creating situations where you're putting people under pressure or you're putting people in, in situations where they're doing things they don't want to do or doing things that are harmful to them. That's where the only boundary should lie. But everything else should be like, yeah, fucking check it out. Like figure it out. Like honestly, man, like I think that I think for men, there's so much bound up into homophobia. <laughs> like yeah. there's so much bound up into homophobia. And, you know, I'm quite confident that I'm not attracted to men, but I know that there's lingering homophobia. So like, I do think that I should make out with a dude, like full on French kiss make this out. This could be the podcast. Dude. No, it's not happening now. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm rejecting that <laughs> well, application. This is like well, for the future, man. I got to fucking next, edit I'm that out. I'm still I'm not good with rejection. <laughs> <laughs> but, st but really though, man, like I feel like, I feel like what the fuck? Like, you know, that's something that I shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter to me, yeah. but it still matters. And if it still matters, you know, like I should like at least dispel some of that shame that I have around that or whatever the fuck that is. Like, okay. Like who cares? Even if I don't like it, like I talked, I talked about this on a podcast I did with Ellis, but I was having like prostate issues. And one of the, it, one of the ways to help the prostate is to actually milk the prostate, like put pressure on it. And mm -hmm. that, so I had a doctor do it first, but it's really annoying to go to the doctor's office and like he sticks his finger in your ass and like pushes down yeah. on it and then you pee and then whatever the stuff that was causing the inflammation in my prostate came out and I was like, fuck it. So I just got one of the enjoy wands. It's like curved wands and I do it myself. Now, granted, it's not a sexually, it's not a sexually, uh, not a sexual situation. So I have not found any pleasure from doing it. I recommend it. I hear it's great. And I've heard a lot of people who say that it's pleasurable, but it hasn't been pleasurable yet for me. But again, it's not a sexual situation. I'm like wanding my butt and like pushing down. <laughs> I'm like pushing down on my prostate just to like <laughs> squeeze that little fuzzy golf ball so I can get the stuff out so it feels better. It's like a, it's like I'm doing it. It's like I'm rolling out on a, on a lacrosse ball or something like that. You yeah. know, like it's myofascial release, but it's with my prostate. It's in my butt. But the thing is, is like after I started doing that, I noticed like a sense of like liberation, like, cause I would never, I would never put anything in my butt, but now that I'd like put it in there and I'm digging around and pushing down on different parts, you know, I'm like, all right, well, you know, that closed door is at least open to me now, you mm -hmm. know, and like maybe I'll enjoy it what's in there, but at least for now it's open and like, I'm not any different. Like it didn't, it's like, it's all good. Yep. You know, like that thing that I was kind of like had tension around is like, all right, whatever want to take a brief moment and thank our sponsor Organifi. Organifi is a company that I have been utilizing for 
I think three years I first discovered them and they have some of the highest quality supplements, all food based. It's like you're eating real food in supplement form. Uh, it is USDA organic, gluten free, soy free, dairy free, vegan, all the things and uh, a wide variety of things, ranging from protein powders to pre-workout stuff, post-workout stuff, and it's all just the absolute highest quality ingredients. They use all sorts of adaptogenic mushrooms and dried, dehydrated blueberries and superfood stuff. It's really good. Um, so presently holding my hand, stuff that I will utilize before or after working out. This is the acai and cordyceps, cordyceps infused red juice. I don't know how to say acai. Acai, gently dried superfood powder. Really good stuff. Reading off some of the ingredients in here. Organic pomegranate juice, uh, cranberry, blueberry, uh, raspberry, strawberry, all the goodnesses in a uh, powder form. And then it's got some beet powder, cordyceps, good for energy, goodness, uh, reishi. It's just good stuff. And then of course the acai and all that rhodiola. It's just good. It is good. And I enjoy it and uh, it makes me feel pretty darn well before going in for a workout. I'll just throw it in a water bottle and then it makes it taste much more delicious. Fun red color. And I will pound that stuff throughout the day. If you want to get a 15% off discount, you can utilize the Align code. So go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and then utilize the A-L-I-G-N Align code, and you'll get 15% off of any purchase. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning this conversation with the legend, Aubrey Marcus. I hope you guys enjoy the rest. It's funny how we isolate these things that would just completely naturally happen if we're living like a, a cool, liberated, natural-ish lifestyle into like, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor's office to do this thing that I could actually have a really great time with my sexual <laughs> partner at home. But instead of like, right. I get in my car and I'm under these dark or these bright lights in an air-conditioned room and he's got a glove and it's like, okay, we're and doing he's it. Not, like, he's not enjoying you know it. He's this. like, oh God, I got to <laughs> like, fucking stick my finger in this guy's ass. Yeah. And when you are sexually stimulated, it actually engorges blood back into the prostate as well. So it actually becomes like bigger. So that's the that's the time. So yeah, it's like just make it's moving. It's funny. I, I talked about that on the podcast, and I had a bunch of people reach out like, "Yo, I've been having like chronic prostateitis issues too." And mm. these are all people who are you know super opposed to having stuff in their butt, like I was. Yeah. And and I think it's just ignoring that, just like getting. I mean, you're the movement guy, like you understand, like your body heals through movement. You know, like through motion, through fluidity, through like loosening up all of the different joints and all of the different fascia and all the different pushing on all the different organs. You know, right before we did this, you had your feet, you know, we were doing acro, you had your feet up there in my psoas and pushing on different things. And the other day we were doing body work and you're digging your fingers into my liver area, right? And like deep stuff released in there. Like that's, that's how we like heal mm. in a big way. Mm. And I think there's like healing in the asshole too. Mm. You know, there's like healing available everywhere. Yeah. Well, I think the asshole and generals and all these different places, particularly, they freeze up. I think there's an, an instance of shame manifests itself, however yeah. it does. And then there's this, <gasps> everything contracts mm -hmm. and shortens. Mm -hmm. And then uh, instead of working that through, we just stuff it in and, and you know, go on to the next task. And then you can get by with that for a while but it just piles up and piles up like a dam. And then the statistic on men that get prostate cancer at some point in their life is like, it's like ridiculous. It's like, I think it's like 
supposed to be a hundred percent. Like if you live old enough, <laughs> you'll get some cancer in that thing. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we? No, no. Like we yeah. just, we just need, if there is darkness in yourself, your task is to remove the, this is an Andrew Still uh, quote, uh, founder of Boston Abbey. Your task is to remove the obstruction. Here's a roomy quote. Your task isn't to find love. Um, it's to same, same thing, like remove, the, like, obstacles remove the obstacles to love. And so that if we can focus on that, uh, I think we're really getting somewhere. But instead, we end up just continuing to build this apparatus around the original thorn. You know, I got that's a reference from Michael Singer's um, Untethered Soul. You know, we have that initial wound, and then from there, as opposed to addressing the wound, we just play better at basketball. Mm. You know, or we build compensate, a, compensate, and then and then people applaud that. And then we, okay, cool. I'm going to keep on inflating energy into that, you know, and then th that wound is still oozing. Yep. And so you are a fraction or of yourself yeah. or festering. Yep. <sighs> That's it, man. It's all those, it's exploring all those like dark, those dark corners and like all the, at least going in enough that you can clean it out. Now you don't need to be overindulgent in any of these things it's not what we're talking about it's not like all right sodomy palooza here we come you know like that's not what we're saying but we're saying that if there's our if there's these unilluminated parts you know like shine a light on that mm. you know the repression and the shame is going to be worse than just like shining a light talking about it if, if, you, if you have dark thoughts if you have you know dark fantasies if you have different things like mm talk about yeah, it let it breathe let it breathe like you know find somebody you trust or a professional or whoever you want whoever you feel can create the safe container write it yeah write it out like whatever you need to do like allow that allow that to process and that's something that i've really seen with the with the mastermind the fit for service mastermind that i've been leading for this past year is just encouraging people to share what they've deemed the unforgivable about themselves and like mm. some shocking things have come out and like just the group held a space and a container of love for people to say these things that, you know, society would say are the unforgivables, you know, and a lot of people have a lot of things that we hold against ourselves, but there's some big things out there that people are holding on to. So whether your things are big or small, either way, like finding a group or finding a container where you can just share that and like, like take the backpack of that shame and all of that pressure off, yeah. you know, by expressing it. And that's going to actually help prevent you from acting on it in some weird, you know, kind of weird way. Yeah. It seems like a, a, a relevant thing might be to intentionally put yourself in various different games or containers that you know, play by different rules mm -hmm. in case there might be some part of you that's starting to kind of kick its way out and like, Oh, I'm feeling this way, but the container that I'm in doesn't accept that. And so my only option is to stuff it back in. Cause I don't want to be, yeah shunned by the tribe there's like a, a, a be an extra quotation there's i think it's walt whitman he says i am large i contain multitudes mm -hmm. you know so we're within this one little section of what we consider to be our, our somebodyness ourself and if anything goes outside of that it's like it starts to feel kind of like dangerous mm. you know yeah you know? yeah like put like put yourself don't shelter yourself from the uncomfortable yeah you know like if you're if you're super, and I, I'm, I can talk to myself in this way, I'm coaching myself here, right? Like, if you're someone like me who's had years of judging myself based on my sexual performance, like, 
put myself in situation, like what would be a, a situation, like put myself in situations where I'm not going to be able to perform, like I'm not going to be able to get hard, but just go for it anyways and just like surrender to that experience and love myself anyways. Mm. So that, you know, it'll happen naturally, of course. So ever, it'll, there'll be like a natural opportunity for that. But knowing that and then getting excited about like, okay, yeah, the next time things don't go is, you know, ultimately I would want them to go. Like that's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to practice loving myself no matter what mm. and like not being stressed about it. You know, regardless of what happens, you know, if it's a lover that it's new and she's like, peace, I'm out, you suck. Like, okay, like love myself anyways. You know, like all of these things are opportunities, putting yourself in these situations. They're opportunities to repattern something that happened. Because I remember like, I remember I couldn't, you know, like didn't have like a bad night with this girl in Australia that I was hooking up with when I was in college. Well, I didn't end up hooking up with her. It didn't really work that well. Um, I was so mad at myself that I wrote, I stayed up all night writing self-hate letters in a fucking, in a journal about how much I hated myself. Mm. What the fuck? Mm. Like that goes deep, right? Like. What did the letters say? The worst things possible. Like you piece of shit. You don't deserve to live. You fucking. Damn. You're like, not, you're not a man. You blah, blah, blah. Like why? What? Like what the fuck? Whoa. It went like really, really deep. So that's like a deeply ingrained pattern that I had. So releasing that and like being like, oh, okay, this is what it is. It's all good. Like that situation, you know, is a, is a great opportunity for me. And I've like started to recognize that and started to like take so much of the pressure off. And then as I've been doing that, obviously my sex life has improved dramatically and actually the more pressure you take off the better your performance gets anyway so it's like it starts to work in your favor but I would I, would, I could see it in other people who didn't have these issues like I have a really good friend who like went to go hook up with a girl that I know and like didn't work came back downstairs was like laughing and like not even like not even fucking phased at all and I was like whoa you're like a superhuman found your guru yeah, right? Yeah, it's like... He, My ED guru. Yeah, exactly. Like, he went up, he, like, tried, didn't work, came back down, was, like, laughing and joking, like, nothing fucking happened. I was like, wow. Another thing that you have a tremendous amount of experience with that few people perhaps will even reach in their lives is uh, there's a, a book that I haven't read, but I like the idea of it. That it's, it's on the list called the... It's called The, the Second Mountain. Familiar with this one? Mm -hmm. so, the, the, so the idea is, you know, we spend our lives climbing up this first mountain, which is like, you know, whatever your concept of success is, you know, so career or whatever it may be, typically career, financial, um, getting to the top of that mountain, realizing that that's not it. You haven't arrived anywhere. This is, you know, you still feel this the exact same way. Um, maybe that's good, you know, whatever you feel, but it's, you don't feel that much different. And then that allows the, the opening to transition into the the journey onto the next mountain of deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that's kind of like a place that you've, I, mean, I think you've been there longer than you probably even would care to admit. I think you probably like well summited the first mountain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's, uh, I think that's, I think that's true. It's, uh, I've all, I've kept the second mountain in sight. You know, I've been fortunate enough to know about the second mountain ever since my vision quest when I went and did psilocybin 20 years ago in the mountains and like got a glimpse of what the other mountain was, which was an expression of being where I felt my body melt away and nothing else mattered but 
my consciousness, you know, and like that's who I really was. So I've at least had that in view. I think a lot of people in the second mountain concept are like work, 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 work. And then they have this just dramatic dissatisfaction and then it leads them into a path of seeking. I've been kind of climbing both, but I haven't been able to let the the first mountain go, hmm. you know, but I've fortunately at least had some skill in climbing the other one. But yeah, letting go of that, letting go of that first mountain, um, to really focus on the next one. I mean, I think that's going to be a big part of my life coming up. And it doesn't mean not doing it. It's, it's about your attachment to it. Yeah. You know, it's not about, it's not about what you do. It's about how and why you're doing it. And I think I can keep summoning different mountains and writing books and doing all these different things, but the how and why is going to be different than it was before. Is there any uh, advice you would give to people at base camp of the first mountain? If you were looking down, you had like a walkie-talkie, and they're like, it looks snowy. <laughs> base camp of the first mountain, yeah. It's an interesting time, man. It's like a really interesting time. I think um, school, is, school is nonsense huh. for the most part, unless you're doing something specific. Like I know you trained to be a rolfer. Uh-huh. It's a very specific skill set. Yeah. And it's very actually effective. It's good that you had that as a baseline that you can like, and then you've added your own shit on top of that. So I think there's specific instances where like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. Or like, I want to learn how to apply fake eyelashes. All right, well, you should probably fucking go to school and figure that out. Don't just start hacking around on people's, you know, eyes or whatever. But as far as like general school, fuck it. Like, I think that's just wasting four years of time for the most part. You know, it'll maybe teach you to do things you don't want to do, but it's designed for a whole different world. It's designed for a world where you just follow orders and just listen to assignments designed to make factory workers, you know, but it's not, the school system is not designed to actually help human beings discover what they really want to offer the world. (laughs) So I'd say number one is like, don't stress about school and don't, if you're out of school and like you don't have, don't have it figured out, the answer isn't more school. You know, like I know so many people who are like, they got their degree and they're like, ah, I don't still know what to do. Well, I could go get my master's or I could go to this fucking school. And then the problem is that that's sometimes what parents will be like, because parents like when the kid's doing something because they can tell all their fucking friends like, oh, well, my daughter or son's going to fucking Harvard uh, fucking med or whatever, like some <laughs> shit, you know, like then it makes them feel good. Everybody's like, oh, good job. You did a good job, Bill. They're over at Harvard Med. Mean, yeah. Meanwhile, it doesn't matter if they're actually fucking happy or living a, any good life. It's like, or several hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. So like the parents, the problem is like parents are still like really encouraging school because that's like they're proud of that and their kids, you know. So that's what Robert Greene would call counter forces. Mm. So being mindful of that and knowing that for the most part, school is just going to be a, could be really fun like if you want to just kind of like meet people and party and practice your binge drinking and like explore a few things like i mean i'd studied philosophy i did some theater i mean i'm happy i went but didn't help me at all in my career Hmm. you know and so i think number one forget about that number two really try to focus on what you're offering like how you can be of benefit to people now that could be a benefit within a corporation like within a corporate structure sure or it could be finding a way to directly be of benefit because now we have the ability through our social media channels to reach through podcasts whatever to actually put ideas out and then offer services that are unique so find things that you're passionate about and see if there's an intersection between those 
what also Robert Greene calls the Da Vinci effect, like his ability yeah. to harness like the multiplicity of knowledge of like mechanics and drawing and painting and all these things. Which won't show itself until 10 years or right. whatever time you're like, oh, connections. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ah. Exactly. So yeah, so, so go deep into different fields of study and different things. Go deep and then eventually find those intersections. And that's where you're going to have like the real magic, you know, like combining breath work and movement combining whatever all these different you know it could be any variety of different things or different coaching methodologies or different things that's uh i think that's a really virtuous way to kind of look at look at what to do is just go deep in certain topics and then try to find the intersection and that's where you're gonna probably be able to offer something unique and of benefit to the world hmm. that's great yeah I didn't, that's, that, I had a soul, a whole other side of you light up. And I'm like so excited about your fit for service. Mm. That's like open for people. I'm not trying to pitch it right now. It's yeah. just, it's interesting to see Aubrey go into like teaching people to be fit for service. I was yeah. like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's it's good. I think it's so many people now are, are like independent entrepreneurs, right? Like the, really that's becoming something that, because People, uh, on, like the classic definition of an entrepreneur, you're starting a company, you're going to have employees, and then you're eventually going to like be able to remove yourself from that company, and the company is going to exist. So you're like birthing something, and that's one way to do it. But a much easier, lower overhead way to go about it is to be like an independent freelancer, like an independent entrepreneur, where you're just offering services or skills or something of benefit. And I think that's you'll learn a ton from that. And I think that's a path that a lot of people are going to take. And a lot of people are currently taking, you know, is to be able to really like offer their unique thing rather than being the product of, you know, Verizon or AT&T trying to fucking hawk phones and whatever. That's fine. If you need to do that, like I understand we all need money. And if you're doing that, just take your spare time and find something else that you're passionate about and, you know, try to go deep, you know, don't just touch a bunch of things lightly you know, find that thing that's really interesting and try to try to really go deep in it. Mm. I love it, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate you making time for this. Of course. Where do people go from here? What's the what's the what's I don't the know. Move? I don't, you can listen to my Your podcast. Book? Yeah, the podcast. Yeah, Aubrey Marcus podcast. Uh, Instagram at Aubrey Marcus. Um, YouTube. I got all the things. Yeah. Is yeah. the fit for service something you care to like? Is that like a is that's is that open to people to try? Yeah, so that go? yeah, applications. You know, so you have to apply to that, um, and we do it based on like a trimester trimester program. Mm -hmm. So it's like a four month at minimum, and you can stack as many of those four months as you want. Uh, but each one will have like a different theme. So you know, the next one coming up for the start of 2020 is going to be the first part of the hero's journey, which is really about the first mountain. So like what we talked about with the first mountain, like how to get yourself to a place where you can summit the first mountain, that's kind of the first part of the hero's journey, getting so enthusiastic about something and knowing that you're able to like navigate the ego and figure that out. Second trimester is going to be more about going into the shadows. And again, we actually talked about a lot of this stuff, but I think it's universally applicable. Hmm. Um, finding where you have the fears and repressions and shames and guilts and the unforgivables, the grievances you hold against yourself and pouring light and pouring forgiveness and pouring like love into those areas. And then the third part is going to be about how do you bring that back to your community? How do you bring that back to your, the people you love? So, and you can do them all. You can, you know, dive in and do one of those different units. 
Um, but the beautiful thing is just an awesome community of people that just, you know, we've all grown to just really love each other over the course of a year. And we brought in like a bunch of rad people. Like out in Malibu, there was NQ and Paul Selig and East Forest and a bunch of other people for all these summits. Um, just trying to weave in the right combination of the, the wizards that we know. That's great. Yeah, man. It's pretty, cool. it's pretty fucking special. Well, I so greatly appreciate your willingness to share yourself um, authentically in any situation, um, even when it's like not the prettiest. Yeah, no, for sure not. <laughs> for sure not. I think it's great, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. Like if the wand comes out of your butt and it's got poop on it, you know? Oh, boy. It's got poop on it, you know? It's got poop. It's, it's just got poop. Like that's what, that's that's, what it is. That's the way it it's is. It's just the way it you is. You love the poop. That's where it, sometimes there's poop in there. Yep. That's just the nature of things. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's stop the podcast there. <laughs> Don't be afraid of poop, everybody. Embrace your poop. All right. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate having you on. I love you. Love you too, brother. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, man. All right. Over and out. I hope you guys loved that conversation as much as I did. If you did, por favor, leave us a review on iTunes, ideally five star. Uh, Share this with a couple of your friends if it's helpful in your life and means the world. Thank you. This podcast gets spread and grows because of you. So uh, it doesn't go unnoticed and uh, I appreciate it. Um, You can also start the seven day free trial of the Align Method online program. If you are suffering, suffering, I don't love that word, honestly. Um, But if you are experiencing uh, achy joints, stiff joints, rigidity, inflexibility, um, feeling just kind of almost like a little bit stuck and gunky in your body, Uh, if you wake up kind of slow, all those things, uh, experiencing forward head posture, roll forward shoulders, roll forward spine, any of that stuff, uh, the Align Method Online program addresses exactly that, and it's broken down into simple six-week program. The first week is absolutely free, no strings attached, and uh, you get yourself the Align Band along with that, which is the heavy-duty resistance band with a door anchor, carrying case, and a free online program how to use that thing. Get your resistance band game up, floss those joints. And if you guys enjoyed this thing, um, please share on the Instagram at Align Podcast or Facebook or wherever you do your shares. Uh, tag myself and Aubrey Marcus. And if you enjoyed this conversation, you might also enjoy the combos with Paul Check. You might enjoy the ones with Gabor Mate. You might enjoy the ones with Kyle Kingsbury. All those are great. Highly recommended. And I think we're good. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for enjoying life. Thanks for sharing with your friends. All right. Over now.